School Days. On Virginia's eastern shore, when I was young, school was an important part of community life. It was understood that everyone should learn to read and write and figure. For the farmers all knew the value of an education. Mother and dad, although they had little education themselves, insisted that we attend school, do our homework, learn our multiplication tables backwards and forwards, and learn to add, subtract, multiply, and divide. Dad would even take the time to ask us the questions following the lessons to see that we had grasped the main points. When I was four, I started attending Modest Town School, which was about a mile from my home at Nelsonia. School took in at nine o'clock and let out at four with a 15-minute recess both morning and afternoon and a whole hour for lunch. Of course, we walked to school, for there were no school buses. I loved the walk to school with my homemade book bag slung over my shoulder and my tin lunch box in my right hand. I felt all grown up. Mother made our book bags out of any available material. She used cretone or gingham or even outing flannel. She made it like a long, narrow pillow slip with both ends sewed up and an opening left along one side. We placed a book or two in each end and slung the bag over our shoulder. There were so many things to do and see on the way that it is a wonder we ever arrived at school by nine o'clock. In the spring, we hunted for wild strawberries along the wayside and took time to chase birds and butterflies and often each other. We watched the bright red cardinal dart through the deep green pines and watched robins building a nest in an old apple tree. We gathered wild violets, both purple and white, to give to our teacher and sometimes picked field daisies to brighten up our classroom. In the autumn, we stopped to taste the wild persimmons that grew in the woods along the way and took time to look at the blue asters, chicory, and the beautiful royal purple thistles that grew by the side of the road and in the pastures. In winter, we wasted much time sliding on the ice, though Dad had often told us it would wear out our shoes. In all seasons, we liked running up and down the little slopes and walking in the roadside ditches. Once in a while when the rain was heavy and no special job had to be done in the fields, Dad would hitch old Bill to the cart and take us to school. We sat on an old faded quilt placed in the bottom of the cart and held a similar old quilt over our heads. None of us had raincoats, so whether riding or walking, we always arrived at school on rainy days soaking wet. Occasionally, during the winter months when the snow was deep, Dad hitched Old Bill to our homemade sled. This was a triangular-shaped contraption that Dad had made to clear the paths on the farm. It consisted of two long boards nailed together at a 90-degree angle and four shorter boards nailed across the long boards to complete the triangle. As there was no floor, you sat on one board and propped your feet on another board. What fun it was to go to school that way. Since old Bill was glad to be out of the stable, he trotted merrily along. The snow was always soft and pure, 
and all the world had been turned into a fairyland. We always took lunch to school. Usually we had a sandwich made with a baking powder or clabber biscuit. The meat inside the sandwich was often a slice of salty fried ham. Occasionally, however, we would have a spicy sausage cake or a link of sausage instead of ham. On Mondays, we might have a piece of fried chicken left over from Sunday's dinner. When food was scarce, we took a biscuit buttered and liberally sprinkled with dark brown sugar. Our dessert was most often a tart, juicy wine sap or a winter golden pear. Our small school with its white paint peeling and its dark green trim dull and dusty was close beside the county road. It had two rooms downstairs and one up, plus a tiny porch. Because many years there were only two teachers, the first, second, third, and fourth grades all met together in the smaller downstairs classroom, while the larger downstairs room remained empty. The older children had their classes upstairs. I can still see that small downstairs room with its rows of double desks and the big, fat coal stove. The teacher's desk and chair stood in the front, and near the front also stood a long, homemade recitation bench. It was to this bench that the different classes were called to recite their lessons. Long blackboards ran along the front of the room, and smaller ones were placed between the windows. The floor was made of wide, heavy pine boards, and long ago, they may have been painted, but no trace of paint remained. The boards appeared dark and dingy, though they were swept daily. There were no curtains at the four windows. We needed all the light that could come in, especially when days were cloudy, for no lamps of any kind had been provided. At the back of the room, long lines of nails decorated the walls. This was where we hung our hats and coats, for there were no closets in the room. On a small shelf at the back stood a blue agate bucket of water, with a shiny tin dipper hanging on a slender nail directly above the bucket. The older children filled this bucket daily with fresh water from Sarah Bloxham's well. Sarah lived with her grandmother, and their house was only a few feet from the school grounds. Everyone drank from this dipper. None of us had ever heard of germs. One day, Lilius Mason came to school with a collapsible drinking cup. Immediately, we all wanted one, not because we were afraid of germs, but because it was something special and different. In general, my memories of my books are hazy, but by the time I was in fourth grade, I remember having a blue hardback spelling book and a new fourth reader called Graded Classics by N.W. Halliburton and F.T. Norvell. My small geography text was Fry's Geography. I also had a small book of English grammar and a history of Virginia. I remember little about my arithmetic text. I hated this book. I could never learn long division, and poor dad would go over my multiplication tables each night. He explained that long division was easy if I knew my multiplication. I did learn the tables and could rattle them off in rapid fashion, yet division kept eluding me. 
I learned much from listening to the other grades recite their lessons. Like a sponge, I soaked it all up. I especially enjoyed the older pupils' English classes. At least once a week, they wrote themes and then read them aloud in class. Most of the time, titles for their themes were suggested in their book. One day, they had a choice of writing about my favorite book, How I Earned Some Money, or The Runaway. Several of the girls wrote about being in a carriage when the horse ran away. Elizabeth Bundick, always a brilliant student, chose The Runaway for her theme and told the exciting story of an imaginary elopement of one of her classmates. It was well-written and quite amusing. Everyone laughed, but the teacher was not amused. In the autumn and spring, we ate our lunch outside. My favorite place for lunch was a shatter playhouse that we built in the woods back of the school. When we tired of playing house, we played hopscotch or joined the older children for a game of ball, which we called Annie Over, or played Vox and Hounds. I never had a teacher that I did not like, and most of them I loved. Of all my school days and all my teachers, I loved my fourth grade teacher best. Miss Verna Shreves Nelson was by far the finest instructor I ever had. She knew just what appealed to the hearts of her young charges, and she was tireless in her efforts to teach. With several grades in the room, I now wonder how she accomplished anything, but she always knew the right words to say, and she loved children. She would decorate the front blackboard along the upper edge with student drawings, maybe autumn leaves or rabbits, or perhaps a picture we had cut from an old magazine and edged with colored paper. We loved seeing our work displayed. She also decorated one of the smaller blackboards with a scene appropriate to the season, and under the picture, she made a calendar for the month. Miss Verna would often stay after school to draw these pictures from a stencil and color them with brightly colored chalk. When the weather was fine, she would take us on a long walk through the woodland, down by the modest town branch where the wood ran sweet and clear. She would select a special spot and then have us sit in a semicircle around her while she read to us or told us a story. One remembered day, she brought along a sack of roasted peanuts, and the, when the story was over, she shared them with us. Just before we left the farm at Nelsonia, a new three-room school was built at Modest Town. It sat across the road from the church, and all three rooms were on one floor. It was clean and new, but lacked interior lighting, and the toilets were still outside and down the hill. A few years after we had moved, the county decided to consolidate the rural schools and all the children in the modest town area were bused to Bloxham. And so the school at Modest Town is no more. Yet for me, the old schoolhouse still stands even now, close by the side of the road, sheltered by the tall murmuring pines. <laughs>